Hey everyone, this is Sarah with Corn Fed Witch here for another 23 minutes of general witchery and informational stuff. Now as a reminder, this podcast is geared towards beginner, so you may learn something new if you're an experienced practitioner, but it you probably won't. Um, it is geared towards the beginner, so it introduces important topics and gets them ready to be witches on their own. So today, I wanted to cover the altar. You're probably familiar with at least some concept of an altar. It is pretty prominent and pretty important in any practice. You may be from the Christian faith where they have an altar in their mass or their service. Or another faith that uses an altar in the center. It's pretty unmistakable. They have like usually rectangular, it looks like a table in the center of whatever they're doing, in their temple, sacristy, what have you. So, in paganism, the altar is pretty similar. It's where you do your rituals, it's where you meditate, it's where you spend time and do tarot readings. If you decide to do tarot readings there, you light candles. It's a sacred space. If every good witch, if if possible, has an altar. There are many things that go into making an altar as such as the placement. You want to consider what direction you want it to be because if you have if you have an altar in the south, you may attract a lot of fire energy. So let's begin. I'm going to go, once again, I'm going to do a brief introduction. I'm going to be reading what Crane Oberon and Morning Glory Zells have to say about uh, at home altar and then I'll be going into some a little bit more specifics. So let's begin. So household altars. This is um, Korean Circles and Ceremonies by Oprah and the Morning Glory Zell Ravenheart. It's hard to imagine a magical home without at least one household altar. Around our place such altars tend to multiply like tribbles which is a Star Trek animal until every horizontal space has been made into an altar and every vertical space has been converted into a bookcase. In our house, we have several altars devoted to the various gods and goddesses to whom we personally relate or to particular purposes. We have, for instance, a special healing altar permanently set up with the statue of Quan Yin. When we're doing healing work for people we care about, we will try to get a photo or some object link for that person and we burn candles for their healing. We also have altars to Aphrodite and Eero in our bedrooms, an altar to Ganesha to help us overcome obstacles, an altar to Lakshmi for prosperity, where we keep piles of spare change, and a little altar in our business office to Tin Hall, goddess of seafaring commerce and matron goddess of Hong Kong. Seasonal altars are set up in our gardens, vegetable gardens, flower gardens, herb gardens, with images of the green man of various seasonal goddesses such as Kor, Persephone, Demeter, and Hygieia, some of which we've gotten in garden shops. Our main herb garden is laid out in the form of Celtic cross, medicine wheel, four parts, and we call it our Garden of Heart's Desire. This is where we work our magic to bring all our personal heart's desires. And then there is our main family altar, dedicated to Bridget as our patron, benefactor, and inspiration, overseeing hearth and home and our sacred creative work. 
At our previous home, it was on the beautiful Victorian mantel over the fireplace in the center of the house. Over the top hung our hand-fasting bosom and two life-sized realistic raven images with real feathers. The back was a mirror and the images and arrangements thereon were changed seasonally. This is where we did our family magic and various little scrolls with bells, etc. were rolled up and stuffed into a side compartment after they'd been activated. When we had our large parties and gatherings, 100 plus people, especially at Samhain, Yule, and Imbolc, we'd gather everyone into the living room around the fireplace and present our ritual enactments, hold our bardics, play music, dance, etc., all before the great altar. Household altars may be fairly easily incorporated into bookcases, but they may also be established on the tops of bureaus, dressers, or cabinets. An altar can be kept in a small corner of the bedroom, a niche in a sewing room or convenient closet. When Morning Glory and I lived in a school bus, well, that's interesting, 1975 to 1979, our altar was a little cabinet with a mirror in the back and a door hinged on the bottom and held horizontally by small chains. It can be folded down for use and folded up to be put away while you're driving. Household altars are not usually the focus of group rituals, but rather of personal and family observance, prayers, and devotions. The most important thing is to keep them clean and fresh. Don't let them get covered with dust and cobwebs. So that's what that's a good introduction to what a household altar is. Now, depending on where your placement is, a lot of people like to have it in the north because the north is pretty grounded. And it symbolizes stability. But if you don't have any place to put an altar, any spot will do if it's accessible. I currently have one inside my house and outside. I am actually migrating to using my altar outside since it's getting warmer. And it's it's pretty private. So when I do my outdoor rituals, up, I can have some privacy and not be interrupted by cars that slow down at the stop signs outside of our house. And I like doing rituals outside when possible because I feel more connected to the earth. I can be barefoot and pet, pet, ah, can be barefoot and literally touching the ground as we speak. And indoors, <coughs> excuse me, in, indoors, it's a little bit different. We have hardwood floors, so I could theoretically, well, I could be connected to nature, but. I just feel closed off. I prefer to do it outside. But I, I made an altar dedicated to Hecate, as she, as I am a priestess of Hecate, and I put a skull as well as candle holders for each of the elements, um, some offering dishes, and some more candle holders, and a pentagram or pentacle, data communication. Now, you really, depending on your tradition, you can put really anything on. An altar as long as it's sacred to you. A lot of Wiccans, they like to have the directional candles as well as a goddess and god candle, an offering bowl, their athamea wand, and a pentacle for communication. Basically anything that can symbolize each of the elements. Now, for obvious reasons, you may not want to keep some things outside. I would not keep my athame outside. That's too valuable and it could degrade. I used to have an outside altar at one of my previous houses, 
or have like this clay bowl and I put salt in it. The salt eventually destroyed the bowl. So you gotta be a little bit, you gotta think about what you want. But indoor altar is fine. It is great, especially if you prefer the work sky clad or nude and you don't want, you need that privacy. Or, you know, you live in an apartment, it's not feasible. Or if it just is better for you. Whatever feels right is good. It should be a sacred space. It should be like returning home. You should be able to charge it with your energy. It should be a nice nice place to rest and recover and the practice. Now, you, I, I touched on the directions. A lot of people have multiple altars, like in each direction, like north, south, east, and west. Depending on properties they want to have there. They can have an altar develop, or developed dedicated to fire, one dedicated to water, air, and earth, respectively, if they like. I would prefer to do that if I, well, I have a big enough yard, I just don't have enough privacy. And then they may have different altars dedicated to different gods, like the Zell Ravenhearts do. And it can be like something small or inconspicuous. If you're not out of the broom closet, you can... Now, I love this idea. I can't remember where I got it from. I've been toying with it for like a few years now. But get like four empty shot glasses. And in one shot glass, put water. One has nothing in it for earth or for air. Then potting soil and one for earth. And then a match in, or a lighter and one another for fire. It doesn't look like anything. It looks like minimalistic art. It's pretty great. If you go online, there are hundreds and thousands of ideas of different altars. Now, if you're following a certain tradition, like the no Solomonic magic or Gardnerian Wicca or what have you, you have to have it set up a certain way. But if you don't, you can do whatever you want, basically. Just keep it sacred and separate, separate from your daily life. So that it's a safe space to go when you need to do magic and you need to ground yourself. So that's a brief introduction to an altar. Now you can do temples and stuff and those are more elaborate. Some people have different rooms in their house dedicated to it. I would love that, but I just don't have the space. And you can, you can look into that too. So people paint different the walls different colors, etc. They have starry nights. The possibilities are endless. So go ahead, find a spot that you like and set up an altar so you can begin your practice. So on to the correspondences of the week. And once again, these are both coming from Cunningham's Encyclopedias of Crystal Gem and Metal Magic and Magical Herbs. So for the the stone today, it's actually metal. I chose meteorite. Its folk names are Aerolith and Aerolite. Its energy is projective. Its planet is none because they're associated with the universe. Its elements are Akasha and fire, which are spirit and fire. The deity is the great mother. Associated stones are peridot and diamond. Powers are protection and astral projection. In magical and ritual lore, meteorites have long been held in fascination by humans. They have been thought to be gifts from the gods and goddesses, 
certain meteorites such as the Kaaba stone in Mecca and a stone thought to represent the great mother goddess of is that Phrygia have been worshipped as symbols of divinity. A four-ton stone has been revered in China as a holy object since the 1200s. The stone, the stone shaped like a crouching ox, resides in the stone shaped like a crouching ox resides in a Buddhist shrine. Recently, however, a team of Chinese geologists studied the stone and determined it to be a meteorite that landed about 1,300 years ago. The stone is no longer worshipped. In Babylon, the meteorite is was a powerful magical protectant. It was thought to remove all evils due to its strange appearance and the roar of its awful might. Peridot is often found in meteorites. I held a small cut meteorite recently and studied the green peridot crystals that were packed inside of it. The stone was worth about $3,000, so it didn't go home with me. Recently, tiny diamonds were found inside meteorites that fell in Mexico in 1969. The first discovery that formed off of our planet. At one at one place or another on, on Earth, meteorites were used to explain the origin of life. If rocks fell to the Earth and space, so too could plants, water, animals, and people. Symbolically, meteorites can be viewed as a spiritual penetrating the physical, as astral power, divine order, or whim. Through a friend of mine, though a friend of mine says that the melted remains spaceships from distant galaxies. Magical uses, meteorites were unearthly things, literally. They possessed the powers of intergalactic flight, of movement, of speed, and of energy unhindered by gravity. Use them in rituals of protection, place one on the altar near white candles, or carry one in the hand. They are also called upon to promote astral projection. A small meteorite or fragment of one is placed beneath the pillow during attempts at conscious astral projection. I would highly recommend not doing this as a beginner because you may it would be, be difficult for one thing and you don't know what you want to do. Yes, they are available for sale at reasonable prices. I visited the Ruben H. Fleet Space Theater's gift shop in San Diego a few days ago and found small meteorites for $3. They're probably much more expensive now. So moving on, and so I picked a weird kind of herb I had never heard of, but it's interesting. It's called vetiver. Spoke names are couscous. That's K-H-U-S, K-H-U-S. Vetiver moras. Its planet is Venus. Its element is Earth. Its powers are love, ex-breaking luck, money, anti-theft. Magical uses. Vetiver. Root is burned to overcome evil spells. It is also used in love powders, sachets, and incenses, and is added to the bath water sachet to make yourself attracted to the opposite sex. I will not be using this herb. Vetiver is also used in money spells and mixtures, placed in the cash register to increase business carry to attract luck, and burn in anti-theft incenses. So now there you have Vetiver. A uh, completely new herb that I had never heard of, but I had learned. I love learning new things. So now we are going to go on to our tarot card of the week, which, following with the major arcana, is strength. And I'm actually going from the tarotguide.com, which is a different source. I've never used this source before, but I like to vary it up. So some of the key words in regards to strength are inner strength, obviously, 
courage, bravery, confidence, compassion, teaming, control, upright, or over overcoming self-doubt. General meaning, which is the upright one. The strength tarot card is the major arcana card of inner strength. It represents mastering raw emotions in order to bring calm to yourself or a situation. It is similar to the chariot, which we talked about last time, in that it represents overcoming challenges. However, the strength card usually refers to inner challenges. Overcoming the obstacles we face in relation to our own doubts, fears, and anxieties. In a general context, this card indicates that you are learning to master your fears and anxieties, to be courageous and daring. You have all the skills you need to be successful. The focus now is to conquer your inner worries and believe in yourself. Take the time you need to master your emotions. Be patient and compassionate with yourself. You'll find new confidence in yourself and your abilities. Strength, as well as being representative of taming your emotions, can also represent taming someone else's wild ways. This is not done by trying to dominate the other person, but by gentle co coaxing, positive reinforcement, encouragement, and compassion. So in love and relationships, strength is the this is the upright. Strength is the major arcana card that represents the Leo star sign. So a relationship with a Leo may be in the, on the cards if this appears. If you are single, the strength card is an indicator that now is a great time to meet someone as your confidence will be shining through. It can also be an indicator of a relationship coming up with someone who is a bit of wild has a bit of a wild side. This can be an exciting project, but if this person is too wild, you may feel the need to tame them somewhat. If you do want to tame them, coax them gently. Don't try to dominate them. For those already in a relationship, strength is generally a good indicator that you are a strong couple, close and united. If your relationship has gone through a lot of emotional upheaval, this card suggests that you are starting to get back on top of it and that any problems you faced in the past have actually brought you closer together. And for in for money and career, in a career context, strength indicates that now is the time to master your emotions and forge ahead. You have the skills, you have the potential, you just need to be brave and believe in yourself. Don't let fear of don't you let fear of failure or fear of looking foolish pulls you back from doing what you want to do and reaching your potential. If you want that promotion, go for it. If you feel like you are being overlooked, make yourself known. If you've always thought you could run your own business, believe in yourself and make it happen. Financially avoid impulsive decisions when it comes to spending. That's not to say you shouldn't spend, but make sure any purchases or investments are thought through properly or based on emotional impulse and not based on emotional impulse. It is very important to be strong. You don't want, especially right now when things are so uncertain, you don't want to be spending too much money. I mean, if you want to spend, go ahead, but maybe be a little bit more conservative, especially if this card shows up in your reading. So let's see here. So, in reverse meaning, it's some of the key meanings are vulnerability, self-doubt, weakness, low self-esteem, lack of confidence, feeling inadequate. Basically, the opposite. Now, I'm, I don't normally read them, though I may sometimes, if it's relevant, really, because I do mostly Kabbalic tarot readings. But, carrying on. So, the general meaning of the strength card reversed. When... It indicates that you are not tapping into the inner strength you have. 
it is not it does not indicate a lack of strength so much as it indicates that you're letting fear, anxiety, or low self-esteem paralyze you. Now, more than ever, you need to summon your inner resolve and self-belief to pull you out pull you out of your current situation. You have the strength you need to get over your obstacles. You have simply lost touch with it, and that disconnection is leaving you feeling weak, vulnerable, and lacking confidence. Focus on the positive. Stay away from people who make you feel inadequate and spend time with people who build you up. Love and relationships reversed. The strength tarot reversed in a love reading, if you are single, can indicate a lack of impulse control or unresolved self-esteem issues may be leading you to choose the wrong partners. This can become a vicious circle as bad relationships negatively affect your self-esteem. You need to resolve these issues and summon your inner strength and confidence and believe that you deserve better. If you are in a relationship, strength reverse can indicate that while your relationship is strong, low self-esteem may be leaving you feeling unworthy of the love you are receiving. This in turn may lead you to act impulsively and behave in a manner that is not a true reflection of the feelings you have for your partner. Don't let your anxiety or fear create problems where there are none. Be strong. In the money and career reverse, the strength tarot reverse is similar to the upright meaning, in that it indicates that you need to be brave and, so, and have self-belief to get ahead in your career. In the reverse position in the career tarot reading, this major arcana card is a stronger indicator that you have been letting fear and anxiety hold you back. Fear of failure can be, a can be paralyzing if you allow it to be. Let go of the self-doubt. It doesn't serve you. You have more inner strength, skill, and ability than you realize. You, you just have to believe in yourself. This sounds super, super cheesy. Once you start to gain confidence, you'll find more direction and focus. Others will notice this change. Financially, strength reverse is a stronger indicator not to be impulsive with your finances now. You may have money in abundance at the moment, but you don't know how long that will last for. Basically, be smart with your money. So there you have the strength card. I love that we're going through the major arcana in order. And then we'll be getting to the minor arcana with the different suits, with wands, swords, pentacles, and cups. I'm super excited about that. I love learning about tarot. And I also love learning about witchcraft. And I love teaching people and teaching myself. That's why I started this, and that's why you're my lovely listener. So, as we near the conclusion, you now have a better understanding of what an altar is. And and how to make one. So I didn't touch on this, but you do want to cleanse it. You, I usually do some sort of cleansing with all of four elements, or like you use sage or smoke or what have you. If you don't have sage, sage is kind of problematic anyway. Use any smoke incense, you know, water, and then I use fire. I just move the fire around. With the lighter last time I consecrated an altar, but you don't have to do that. And salt for earth, water for water, and smoke for air. So now you have a better idea of how to do that. I'm sorry that my dog is barking in the background. She needs to be let in, which is good because we're about to end this podcast. Just remember to follow me on Facebook at, at CornFedWitch. Same with Twitter, Instagram. Email me your witchy anecdotes at cornfedwitch at gmail.com. Check out my Patreon and my Etsy shop. And I hope you stay safe and stay home.
right now during this quarantine? Merry meet, merry part, and merry meet again. I hope you have a wonderful week.